0: welcome to the amazing nerd show now searching for atlantis strap in folks the nerds have arrived bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast nerds the worlds of gaming horror tv and film have collided right here this will be your finest hour
1: Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. All right, in this week's episode, we're reviewing the
2: second season of Marvel's What If? And we also have a film review for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom.
1: Plus, we got our predictions for AEW's World's End. But with that said, let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerddom.
2: We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions.
0: Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check time stamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned.
2: All right, Christian. So we took off last week because we were assuming that it was going to be a pretty slow week news-wise because, you know, Christmas and everything. Well, we were wrong. Uh, so we got a lot of catching up to do this week. To start things off, Marvel has fired Jonathan Majors.
1: With Jonathan Majors being found guilty on charges of assault and harassment, Marvel Studios has officially parted ways with the actor removing him from the role of Kang in the MCU. This means massive changes are underway for the next Avengers film that was originally named the Kang Dynasty, but THR reports that that title is set to be changed now as Marvel Studios is just calling it Avengers 5 until they've settled on something new. Avengers 5 is still looking at a May 1st, 2026 release date as of right now. So at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do.
2: Uh, I'm glad that they sat back and waited for the verdict, but once it came in guilty, they didn't hesitate. Um, And they just removed Jonathan Majors altogether. Um, From the sound of it, they might be moving also completely away from Kang the character. Uh, And if you think about it, they really did write themselves an out in the Mm. second season of loki uh so i mean i don't know it's time to move on and get this chapter of the mcu back on track with probably a new villain fingers crossed doom uh (laughs) i wouldn't blame them if they stayed away from kang altogether i mean even if they do have him make an appearance He's easily recasted with you know the whole concept of variance, you know, being a thing. So, you know, at this point, like I said, it's it's just time to move on, yeah. Like we've said a hundred times, they can recast him by with a million different actors if they really wanted to, yeah. And that's not to diminish like Jonathan Major's talents as an actor, no. Um, I think obviously our, our issues are you know with his actual character as a human being, um, but you know. It, Like, like we're saying, like with the whole multiverse of things, you can obviously just have someone else come in and step into that role. Exactly. But I'm guessing Marvel probably wants to move away, you know, from Kang altogether just because of the optics of it.
1: I do like the idea of, like, a Tom Hanks version of Kang, though. No, no, I don't like the idea of that at all,
2: Christian. That sounds awful. I'm glad that you're not in charge of casting for the MCU. (laughs) All right, well, up next, we've got a big rumor floating around that Marvel's actually planning a Young Avengers film.
1: After the release of the Marvels, it was all but confirmed that we would be seeing the Young Avengers come to the MCU. It's been long rumored that a Disney Plus series has been in the works, but industry insider Daniel Richman came out claiming that their sources point at Feige, changing this from a series project to now a feature-length film. No word yet on a potential release, but I figure we may see more Kamala Khan approaching young heroes until we get this film. Yeah, I mean, this is one rumor that I I actually hope ends up being true.
2: Uh, The young Avengers definitely deserve the big screen treatment. Um, You know, they've used the Disney Plus shows to do the legwork already and like introduce these characters and kind of flesh them out. But now it's time to give them the spotlight. I'm afraid too, like with the restraints and overall quality control that the Disney Plus shows have had. You know that a Young Avengers uh, series would end up feeling like a glorified like CW show. So um, I would rather for it to get like the full MCU treatment and you know make the Young Avengers feel like a big deal, like they deserve. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, spoilers for Marvels, but like you were saying, I, I would like to see them continue with Kamala, like, showing up in other, like, Marvel films and, you know, maybe series and recruiting, like, Nick Fury style to get that kind of phase one vibe going again, to really, like, build up the film and make it, you know, feel like a big event. Um, You know, that aspect recently has been kind of missing from Marvel, Uh, that just, like, anticipation of something big coming. I feel like they really haven't been doing enough of that with secret wars and hopefully they end up starting now that we're getting like closer and closer to the film, but they should definitely do something like that for the young Avengers, not just for parallel sake,
1: but you know, to really just hype it up. Mm. I also wouldn't be too surprised if we see them actually first team up in like secret wars or some shit like that. Like seeing them all work together to help out the other heroes. Yeah. I could see a moment like that happening. Um,
2: You know, something similar to what we had when we had all the uh, female heroes uh, get together at the end of uh, Endgame, but maybe a little more organic. You know, something that really just, like, foreshadows what's to come with the young avengers
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: all right well moving on to dc it looks like james gunn is out here debunking more rumors this time around for the sequel to the batman
1: rumors for matt reeves the batman 2 have been swirling around quite a bit this past month as daniel rpk sources say that professor pig and scarecrow would be joining clayface and hush as the villains in part two. But James Gunn, who was never one to let a bad rumor fly, commented on these claims saying that they are entirely made up. The Batman part two is still set for an October 3rd, 2025 release, while the spin-off series, The Penguin, is still slated to come out later in 2024, most likely fall. So I'm not
2: gonna lie, I was a little
1: disappointed when Gunn debunked this, um, not the Robin
2: of it all, because I'm still not sold on Batman in the world that Reeves has built, You know, having a preteen sidekick, especially with him being in the early stages of his, you know, quote unquote mission, um, it it just doesn't feel like it makes sense for the story just yet. But I I mean, I just really liked the idea of Hush, you know, as the villain of the sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels very on point for what Reeves has started in the first film. Hush allows you to tell another personal story since they have such strong ties to Bruce's past. And at the same time, the story has this nice like who's done it thing going for it, where like it really allows you to lean into Batman's detective side, which was an aspect that Reeves really explored in that first movie. Uh, You know, the the original storyline in the comics also had tons of Batman's rogue gallery So, you know, it would have been a nice way to just do some great, like, world building, um, you know, for this universe. And also, like, the original comic book storyline had tons of Batman's rogues gallery, so it would have allowed you to also do some great world building at the same time. All right, up next, we've got rumor merger talks between Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global.
1: According to Variety, a meeting was held between WBD CEO David Zaslav and Paramount Global CEO Bob Backish on the possibility of a merger between the two companies. It's also been said that David Zaslav has met with National Amusements who have a controlling stake in Paramount, but neither companies have commented on any of these reports. So
2: where there's smoke? there's definitely probably fire. Um, we've heard for a while that Warner Brothers has been open for business. Um, so I'm not necessarily surprised to hear this. Uh, the fact that we're hearing it at all, I mean, I feel like adds some validity to it because usually with things like this, it stays under wraps until they, you know, want it out in the open. Mm-hmm. Um So, I mean, I think it's something to keep an eye on because it really does touch all branches of entertainment, especially the entertainment we cover. I mean, it can affect everything from the DCU to AEW. Um, like, I don't want to take a deep dive on it now because it's so early. And at this point we know really nothing, but I'll be interested to see what comes of it
1: because it could potentially have major ramifications. I mean, a lot of money to be had and we haven't even seen what like the potential for this new DC universe could hold for Warner Brothers and such. So I mean, with them being able to get shit like anything anywhere from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and more from Paramount on the other side, that'd be insane. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's looking at it with rose colored yes. glasses, <laughs> um, but it could
2: also mean that they want to move in a completely different direction to what they're doing currently with the DCU so we could see another huge shakeup uh, because that's usually what happens when you know we have mergers like this go down Um, you know also for AEW and I said I didn't want to get into this but I mean I don't know if Warner Brothers Discovery is going to want to be signing any major contract Mm -hmm. deals currently if they're in the midst of you know merger talks So, um, or they might be wanting to sign a bigger brand like WWE um, to, you know, make themselves look even sexier, you know, (laughs) for uh, Paramount. So, like I said, we don't know any details at this point, so it's probably reckless to even speculate what all this could mean. But it's definitely something we'll have to keep an eye on. But anyway, reportedly a Super Smash Brothers film is being pitched by Illumination.
1: Another rumor coming from Daniel Richmond sources say that Illumination is preparing a pitch for a shared cinematic Nintendo universe that would have its own like Avengers style film in Super Smash Bros, a game that, you know, pits Nintendo's biggest characters against one another. All I'm gonna say is
2: just take it one film at a time and focus on putting out good movies. Yeah, Um, there's no need to rush, Uh, you know, and once you like build up this universe organically, then you can pull the trigger on a Smash Brothers film. But that shouldn't be the end goal, like just putting out awesome movies should be like the top priority. Like, don't make the same mistake that other franchises have.
1: I, I, you know, there's just a bunch of dollar signs in people's eyes right now. Oh, That's-
2: yeah, because I think they were taken by surprise, you know, with mm-hmm. the Super Mario Brothers movie. I mean, obviously they thought it was going to be successful, but they I don't think they realized just how successful and how, like, primed everyone was, you know, for, you know, Mario content. I just hope they don't, like, oversaturate the market, um, you know, and, you know, stretch themselves too thin right off the gate because it was just like a couple of weeks ago we also had the story that they're going to be doing a legend of zelda live
1: action film so does that mean we're also going to get an animated film too well and that's through sony so that's like who, what what how like how much of the rights can be used from you know sony side and the live action stuff and then in the animation side it's like yeah, are they start competing like
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like who actually holds like the the licensing rights for, mm-hmm. you know, films and who yeah, no, the legal ease of it all is just a headache waiting to happen. So because <laughs> I feel like if you do Smash Brothers, you've got to have Zelda, right? Like you yeah. got to have like that universe involved somehow. So um yeah, I mean it sounds awesome on paper. I would hope though at this point that studios are realizing that giant shared universes can have their setbacks so and that franchises don't need it to succeed well in horror news the hits keep on coming to the scream franchise as Scream 7 has lost its
1: director. Christopher Landon, director on titles like Happy Death Day and Freaky was set to be a part of the next Scream film, but has come out recently claiming he has dropped the project and was quoted saying that it was a dream project that turned into a nightmare. This comes after losing two of the film's biggest stars in Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega. And it's now looking like Scream 7 just may be stuck in development hell for quite a while, especially after losing its director. So once again, what a fucking
2: mess! Uh, <laughs> the
1: last two films really like rekindled
2: the fans' interest in you know this franchise. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm hoping that they're able to sell the jit, but I'm just not sure where they go from here. This is just a PR nightmare. Um, like maybe wait a couple years to get the bad taste out of everyone's mouth and just do a full reboot or even like a one-off film wrapping up Sid's storyline and then do a reboot. But I don't know, like, it feels like Spyglass really just stepped on its own dick here. And (laughs) it just, it feels like they've wasted all the momentum that they had at this point. It's just a
1: damn shame. Well, like i've said many times you know i've never been a big fan of the scream franchise and these last two movies really brought me into this and making me want to like see you know where the story goes so this is very disheartening to, to yeah. see just like them lose their stars and now the directors and i i, I have to agree that they, they need to just take a break uh hopefully write a banger of a script in the meantime uh, and, and then release something. Because I just imagine anything that comes out this year or in the next year or so, it's just gonna hit the box office very low, no matter what.
2: Yeah, it's just gonna have the stench of controversy all over
1: mm-hmm. it.
2: So, like I said, I feel like you're better off just waiting a couple of years, like you said, coming out with the banger of a script and just try to move forward and, you know, take people's minds off of everything that happened previously. <laughs> Um, you know this this debacle. Um, I think you know bringing back Nev Campbell might help with that, um, because I mean, Die Hard Scream fans really want to see that storyline have some sort of conclusion. Um, but yeah, I mean this this whole situation sucks. Well, and lastly, we've got a release date for the upcoming Strangers Chapter One.
1: The new Strangers trilogy that is to start with chapter one has announced a release date for May 17th, 2024. Bloody Disgusting reports that the first installment of the trilogy will play more as a remake of the original 2008 film with chapter two and three taking the franchise on a new path. Uh, I hate to say this, but I just have a
2: bad feeling when it comes to this film. Um, And maybe partially that's due to just how awful the sequel was. And this is supposed to be a reboot, like a trilogy, which they actually shot like back to back to back. Um, but like the synopsis and everything just doesn't sound like a stranger's film whatsoever. Um, they, we got like a screenshot from the film recently and it just looked wrong. <laughs> just, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Cause I love the concept of the strangers. And I mm-hmm. like the first film was one of my favorite horror films of the last like 20 years, but I don't know, man. I just have a bad feeling when it comes to this.
1: You never know. This could be the horror world's, you know, Lord of the Rings. Uh... <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Mark that quote.
2: <laughs> that needs to be on a poster. <laughs>
0: new Christian new of the coming. Amazing Nerd Show
1: <laughs> the horror
2: world's version of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
1: uh yeah I I don't know about this one but we'll we'll have to wait and see
2: (laughs) Christian I will eat my microphone if this is the horror version of the Lord of the Rings live
1: on Instagram all right (laughs) I'm also wondering like if all of these are coming out in the same year with this coming out in May you have to imagine like maybe like every two months three months there would be like another one out I don't know is that
2: Is that true, though? Because that was a rumor we heard. I don't know if that was ever confirmed by the studio. I know that they shot all three of them already. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they're all coming out within the same year. I mean, it could be, like, within 12 months or something like that. I mean, look, they did it with X and uh, Pearl. Like, both those movies came out in the same Mm -hmm. year. and, And Maxine is soon to follow. So, um, it's possible. Especially if, you know, these are lower budget affairs. Um... I guess we'll have to wait and see. With bated breath.
0: And now for the Nerds review of Marvel's What If, Season 2. Warning spoilers ahead.
2: I've been looking for you for a long time. Time, 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 time. Just be careful. I don't think I can bear to narrate what might happen next. All right, Christian, so some quick shop talk. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, So Marvel, at this point, has released seven episodes of the second season of What If. Uh, Now, we could have waited to next week to do our review and, you know, you'll be able to get the full season in. But since next week, we plan on doing our 2023 year in review, where we count down our favorite films and TV series uh, and wrestlers for the entire year and more. Um, So with that being said, we wanted to go ahead and squeeze in a review for What If while we can. Um, I'm only up to episode six at this point, unfortunately. Uh, it's been a
1: busy week, of course, with the holidays. I, I don't know. You, are you completely caught up, Christian? Yes, uh, I got back in town and I just binged watched all of them before recording. So. Oh,
2: like <laughs> literally this day?
1: Yes. Well, that's impressive.
2: <laughs> it was only three and a half hours, right? <laughs> and, and at the same time, it just tells me you don't have a child at home. Um, yes. So, <laughs> oh, with that being said, and regardless of only being five episodes in, because what, is it eight episodes Season, it's nine in total, nine so, episodes. So it goes to Saturday, right up to New Year's Eve, right? Yes, all right. Well, with that being said, the season's been pretty damn good so far. Uh, the the animation has been amazing, uh, maybe even better than the first season. Uh, just incredibly cinematic, especially that Nebula episode. Uh, it's just been fun to really like revisit you know these characters, um, even in animation form. And I love that they got so many of the actors to actually reprise their mm-hmm. roles and do voice work. Um, I just feel like it just elevates the show to like another level. Uh, the stories until the Hydra stomper episode seemed all like one-offs, which I'm fine with. And honestly kind of enjoying the carefree nature of this season. Um, You know, the season definitely doesn't feel as dark as the first season. Um, But, I mean, that could change. Like I said, I'm only five episodes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it does feel like we don't have as much stakes. But I'm guessing also with the way episode five ended, we're probably going to be getting more of an overarching narrative. Um, So that could change. Um, it, It seems like we might be getting a reunion of the Guardians of the Multiverse. Um, But I could be completely wrong. Uh, Also, like, I I think this is my one critique. I wish they were using some more of the recent, like, phases characters, like, you know, um, like Miss Marvel and Moon Knight or She-Hulk. I know there's a a Shang-Chi-related episode coming up uh, that I haven't seen yet, but... (laughs) Like it, it's it's pretty much all Infinity Saga characters, though. Yeah. Uh, but that might also have more to do with when the show was actually in production, because I know it's been delayed multiple times at this point um, over the last couple of years. So that might have something to do with it when it comes to like character selection. But overall, I think the show's been highly entertaining and it's absolutely scratching that MCU
1: itch. How about you? Um, I have seen episodes six and seven, so it's like I, the way I feel like you could spoil struck-
2: things if you if you need to. So <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: not. Gonna, it, there's not much to really spoil here. Like like you were saying, the you know Shang Chi you know episode here, it really does mostly just focus on Hella. Like it's it really uh, his father's kind of in it. He's I mean he's a big part of the episode, but he's not like the main attraction here. Like, I really thought that that episode was gonna get a lot darker, but it's it's fair. I'll get into it in a minute. Um, but I feel like the way that they've structured this season, um, from episode four going forward, unlike the first season, which had a little bit more connective tissue, episode, from episode four going forward, I feel like they're just giving us like origin stories and such to really get us into like, who the members of that team really are, and really know how they became those people. And then maybe in the final episode we'll see everyone come together because it. I, I, I would assume like after episode five I was like oh yeah they're here we go we're gonna see what happens next and I thought we would get the, uh, the actual episode that corresponds with where Peggy went but we don't it it still has to come out I'm assuming it's gonna be either eight or nine so I think
2: that's the the Avengers sixteen oh two episode yeah. right mm-hmm. um. Now, are you when you're saying, like, get the team together, are you assuming that the characters that we meet in the first, like, couple episodes, you feel like you're going to get another, like, big team up like we did in the first season with all the characters that we meet? Or are you thinking, like me, that we're just going to see a reunion of the team that the Watcher put together in the first season? You know, the the Guardians of the Multiverse. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see the Guardians of the Multiverse again, dealing with whatever the... You no know, big bad in the end of the season is, uh, right. I'm assuming it's whatever happens in 1602. But I think it's just based off of like the way they introduced Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster was like, this is Gamora's story. How did she become, you know, this person? It's like, oh, okay. And then they, you know, then we saw more of like Peggy's story well, where and she's and that at.
2: episode was supposed to be in last season. Oh, okay. So, cause Gamora just kind of shows up last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really see Tony, right? So that episode didn't make the cut the first season for some reason, and they decided to, like, air it here.
1: Like you, I am uh, enjoying the show overall, but I do, I I would say I watch, like, a ton of anime and a ton of, like, 30-minute animated form shows, so I'm still kind of rubbing up against the pacing in this series, uh, just like I was in the first season. I just feel like they, I get used to it, because I understand that there's a little bit more of a fun nature to this show, but sometimes I feel like they could just slow things down a little bit, not overly like try to do too much per episode because it's like, there's certain moments where I start to feel like the characters aren't being themselves. Like once we get to, um, what if Hela found the 10 rings, they pretty much do the story of, uh, Thor, the first film, but with Hela this time around. Um, and when she loses her powers, you know, she, kind of starts just being more of the good guy pretty quickly in this. And, it, and like it's a redemption type of story for her character. But at the same time, I just like, I didn't believe the transition to that more positive person that she becomes by the end of the episode. Um, it, it, I felt like she would have been more nefarious in her attempts to like take the 10 rings and stuff like that and you know, come into power of her own. Uh, yeah. it, it just didn't feel like her.
2: And it's hard and I haven't seen the episode yet. But, you know, it's like, well, is this pretty much the same character that we meet in the MCU? Mm-hmm. Or ha- has she had different experiences to kind of change her nature overall? Um, you know, since this is a multiverse tell. So, I mean, I I totally understand what you're saying, though, because I did kind of bump up against something similar with the first episode with uh, Nebula. And even though I love the episode, but she feels like the character she is in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, where in Mm -hmm. this timeline, she hasn't had that character arc with Gamora and the Guardians to grow and be in that place. So it feels unearned in a way, but at the same time, like, you know, she could have had different experiences to set her on that path with the Nova Corps, but, you know, regardless, it it feels off. Um, And that might just be more of an issue with the episodic nature of the show in general, like you only have 30 minutes to tell
1: these stories. Fair. But that's again why I say they're trying to do too much (laughs) in too little time, you know, sometimes. But it's kind of like, you know, how much time do you devote
2: to telling that character's like full mm-hmm. story and like where she's at, at this moment in time.
1: Which is like, I felt like they did a great job with where Natasha was by the time we got to the Winter Soldier films in um, the Hydra Stomper episode because she almost kills Bucky early on in that episode. You know, and it's just like, that feels correct. She would have been that you know killer, even though she still has attachments to Peggy and knows how much it means to her, she would have still done it. You know, like, it, it felt like that's who she was, at least in our timeline.
2: No, I agree. I agree with that 100%. And I, I mean, this is an issue I've had with, you know, all the characters. It, it's just more of, you know, certain characters and mm. like, you know, where they're placing them on the timeline. But once again, it's like, well, are we assuming that the timeline is exactly the same? Yeah, you it's know? hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I guess that's always going to be the one issue you kind of bump into when it comes to the whole, like, what if
1: gimmick? um you know in the story so other than that i don't really have any other complaints um i really enjoyed the Kahori, you know introduction um it'll be interesting to see what her character's like if they do bring her to live action at some point i feel like she might be a part of secret wars if if they wanted to do something but does that take place in episode six then yes Okay. Uh, complete standalone adventure for her you know, I thought they would play into what's going to happen with Peggy. I thought maybe, oh, this might be that 16- Like it would you all know, connect. Whatever universe. Yeah. Okay. But no, no. She got her own standalone episode uh, until the end and when Doctor Strange appears, uh, just for a brief moment.
2: So it feels like she's going to be playing a
1: big part
2: in- Yes. In the actual overarching storyline that it mm-hmm. seems like they're going to be telling, obviously. Um, I mean,
1: her powers are based off the Tesseract a little bit. So, I mean, she's she's very powerful.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Cause they you know, you remember they did have that one character who was actually like the embodiment of the t- tesseract, um mm-hmm. with the whole um with the secret empire storyline. Yes. Um so is it something similar to
1: that? Not that wild at least. Like she just has like kind of just basic force abilities. Okay. <laughs> I I wouldn't say like creation and shit like that, but but she has a lot of potential to be incredibly powerful then? Yeah, I don't think she's as durable as like a, a Captain Marvel, but she's definitely got enough strength to rival her. Oh, wow. So she's like an omega level, like yeah. super being. Okay. All right. And,
2: and it felt like when they start promoting the show, like before the delays, <laughs> she was a big focus. Um, and she's uh, you know a character that they've created just for the show. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't pop up in live action form, Uh, you know, seeing that, you know, we're in the multiverse saga right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think they even went as far as, like, introducing the comics to, you know, before this episode, you know, debuted, but, you know, she was actually created for this series. But I think they just want to kind of get their ducks in a row in a way. Um, So, I mean, if you're a collector out there, definitely pick up that uh, issue. Because I know I will be. Because <laughs> if she does make a live action
1: debut, like that's going to go through the fucking roof. Um, you know, but the character was interesting. I definitely think it's one of the best ones of the entire season. But I think that's just because they get to, you know, do their own story entirely. There's no, like, we have to connect it to, like, all the other things in history. You know? Yeah,
2: it's not tethered to other characters mm. and events. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see, like, where they take the character, because it does feel like they have big plans oh, for her.
1: One other nitpick. Why would they ever fucking fuel a space, a, um, a shuttle with a tesseract? That plane in episode two with Peter... Uh, yeah, I thought that
2: was weird, too. Uh,
1: <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> it was the 80s. It's wild times. Uh, sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I mean, you can make the argument at that point they didn't truly understand the nature of the
1: tesseract. So she says, "Make sure this doesn't blow up because it could blow up half the planet." So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're nitpicking,
2: I also thought uh, Ego was taken out way too easily.
1: Oh yeah, right. But he eats a seed and then blasts. Yeah, that was way yeah, too but simple. I'm fine with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's I let forgivable. a lot of stuff go because I feel like they're trying to have more fun here. Like, yes. nothing was as dark as the Supreme Strange episode oh my from gosh. last season. That so. episode was amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or the Marvel Zombies uh,
2: episode. hmm Yeah. I, you know, I, I hope that we get a couple more episodes like that. Um, you know, if not this season, maybe next season. Um, I'm assuming that's, that there's going to be another season, because I mean, th- this sounds like it's been pretty successful for them so far i how do you feel about the way they're dropping them
1: i'm not a fan of the the daily releases it
2: just feels stupid like if you're gonna do either drop them all or do a weekly i don't i I guess they're trying to make like an event out of it but at the same time Mm -hmm. it's just just drop it all at once if you're gonna do it this way you know or go back to weekly um you know i'm guessing that they didn't want to bump up against echo which is uh coming out early january so um but Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, like I said, this has been pushed around the schedule so much at this point, like we weren't even sure we were getting this this year. Mm. Uh, But originally this was supposed to
1: be out last year in 2022. So but, you know, I mean, it was up until the actual day that they announced that it was coming out because like beforehand they were even like a week before that they were like, yeah, it's coming out this year still. And like, there's only a month left.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah we didn't have a release day and usually you get that months in advance. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, things were up in the air so much so that the toys were released well in advance. So, um, but like I said, I mean, there's been so many delays when it comes to this project, just because I think they were trying to kind of juggle the schedule, uh, in general. Uh, Because I I think this has been in the can for quite a bit. So the Kohori
1: episode is your favorite episode so far this season? Yeah, I think I was between that and the Hydra Stomper episode. I feel like those were the two best put together. That was a fun uh, episode, I agree. I do agree that the uh, Nebula, you know, Nova Corps episode was, like, the best-looking one. And especially as a Cyberpunk yeah, fan, so I, was, folks, gonna I say. was fucking into that <laughs> shit. But uh, <laughs> it, it does get way too simplified by the end of the episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a little rushed, but I love the look of that episode. Inc- mm-hmm. Like, it's incredibly, like, cinematic. And I was a 100% sure watching that. I was like, oh, Christian, the- Christian's going to be eating this up. <laughs> Oh, this is a straight Blade Runner. Yes, yes, but it looked fantastic. So despite its flaws, like that's probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, I also enjoyed the Christmas episode just because I'm such a huge fan of Sam Rockwell. And I was just excited to see him actually like voice, Uh you know, that character again. Um, And it's just so off the wall, ridiculous and everything with Happy Hogan, you know, getting the Hulk serum and everything like that and walking around with a Hulk leg for, you know, good portion of the episode, um, you know, it's the only, it's, it's something you could only get away with in animation. Um, mm-hmm. like I was like, you know, it definitely wouldn't play well, like if this was live action, but you know, it was a fun episode regardless. And I'm a sucker for a Christmas backdrop as we know at this point, I just love the idea that they got like half of the Avengers cast back just, you mm-hmm. know, to read a couple ridiculous lines. And I'd also have to go with the, uh, Hydra Stomper episode too just because I love Captain Carter. Um, and I'm glad that it, it feels like this is a different version of the character than the one we saw in uh, Multiverse of Madness that they just like completely wasted and have Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch cut in half and murder in cold blood. Um, yeah, no, I love the character and I'm happy that we're gonna be getting more episodes with her in it.
1: Like I do hope that, like as we know, that there's a, a rumor going around that there might be a multiversal team in Secret Wars Um, as part of their plan. And I do hope that they bring characters from this series into that team.
2: Where it kind of, like, everything that we're seeing here actually connects to, Mm -hmm. you know, the bigger picture, which felt like the route they were going with the first season, but it never quite got there. I mean, we did get Captain Carter, which was nice, but it's, it's definitely a different version of her. But it felt like the first season You know, the series really just served as a way to like wet the palate of the Marvel audience and really just introduce them to the idea of the multiverse in general. Um, You know, like a little appetizer Um, where, you know, I think we were speculating at the time, like, oh, are we going to see like, you know, this version of Doctor Strange? Um, You know, is that a possibility? And like they even had, I felt like visual cues to like, you know, Supreme Strange. Um, But they never quite went there because we were like, oh, are we going to run into that version of the character? Like, does something happen where he breaks underneath the pressure of, like, you know, holding everything together? Um, Mm. Because, I mean, we joked about it at the time. It was like, oh, this is going to end horribly. Like, what are you
0: thinking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Especially after, you know, some of the choices that he was making in that episode, if you remember, you know, in that, you know, first episode that he appears in. Like, how could the Watcher possibly think it's a good idea to entrust Strange with holding this, what was it, like an orb or something? With uh, the Infinity uh, Ultron and, uh, you know, uh, Killmonger battling it out.
1: Like, it just, it feels like a bad choice, right? It's it's a very odd decision on his part. I'm also curious, like how much of like Because of what we saw in episode five at the end, how much of Wanda's powers is, like, outside of what the Watcher can see? I'm assuming that's why he was, she was able to, like, pull her into another universe and he be completely unprepared for that. I mean, you're not wrong, right? Because
2: he is taken off guard in that Mm -hmm. moment. I mean, she's an incredibly powerful being and we know that her story is not done. Um, Mm -hmm. we're already hearing the rumors of her possibly getting a film. So, I mean, we know she's a nexus being like throughout the multiverse, meaning she exists in every timeline. Um, and her like destiny is like set. So her story is definitely not done and God knows like how powerful she could actually, you know, grow to. Speaking of powerful beings, do you think we get a Loki sighting, especially knowing how his story ends? Um, at the end of season two, and I feel like in the trailer for you know the second season of What If you do see uh, the World Tree. Now they, I think they turn into a Christmas tree or something ridiculous. So, uh,
1: but I don't know. Like, could could we get a nod to Loki here? It would be cool, but I feel like as you as we've mentioned, I mean, this was pushed back several times, and I feel like I don't know if they actually communicated where they were going yeah with loki to the people that were working That's on true, this and not to
2: bring back a sore subject but you know a lot of what happens in loki definitely felt like a pivot and a response to everything that was going down with jonathan majors yeah um, you know it might have been a really hard pivot um, And that's pure speculation. But you're right, like when this series was in production, who knows if they had that story beat mapped out yet. You know, if they knew where Loki was going to end up, you know, at the end of, you know, his series. But like I said, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I I really hope we get another season. Um, As a kid, I love picking up issues of, you know, what if, Uh, just because you get just the most off-the-wall, ridiculous concepts and storylines. <laughs> I mean, they would only last an issue or two at most, uh, but they were always just fun and, you know, memorable. But join us next week and see, you know, when all said and done, if What If actually ends up cracking our, you know, top TV series lists of the year. Uh, as you know, like I said at the top, we're gonna to be doing our 2023 year in review and counting down all our favorites.
0: And now for the Nerds review of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Spoilers ahead.
2: And now our feature presentation. Oh yeah. I finally got a job. I'm the King of Atlantis. Half a billion people. From every known species in the sea, call this place home. But that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear. I'm gonna murder his family and burn his kingdom to ash. Black Manta seeks revenge on Aquaman for his father's death. Welding the Black Trident's power, he becomes a formidable foe. To defend Alanis, Aquaman forges an alliance with his imprisoned brother. They must protect the kingdom at all costs. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is directed by James Wan,
1: and stars Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, and Yaha abdul the set. So listeners will know that I was definitely not a fan of the first Aquaman film, so I definitely came into this one with even lower expectations, especially after this past year's Flash film. But even so, I found more to enjoy in the Lost Kingdom than in any previous Aquaman appearances. What set this apart was definitely the more contrast between our villain and hero compared to the first go-around, as Black Manta in this seems to be, you know, going at any length for revenge, even if it means potentially destroying Earth itself. And Yaha Abdul-Mateen you know, exuded that level of hatred for our carefree king in Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Momoa, as Arthur Curry, just seems to be having fun at all times while he's doing this role. Uh, the character is in a much different place now, as he is a new father, raising a child with Mara, and also trying to rule over Atlantis, whose council still seems to very much hate the surface world. And refuses to bring their culture to them very much like how it was in Black Panther with Wakanda, you know, hiding their technology from the world. A good portion of the film though really pivots on Arthur Curry's relationship with his half brother, the former king of Atlantis Orm, aka Ocean Master as played by Patrick Wilson. I felt that Wilson and Momo's chemistry was much better this go around as this film kind of turned into a uh, buddy cop adventure in the second act, where the film really falls completely apart for me is in its third act, as any buildup or goodwill set before this is plagued by some of the most lackluster CGI fights I've seen all year. I mean, the big ending battle lasted maybe 30 seconds between Aquaman and Black Manta, which I thought was maybe done to give more time for another battle with you know this ancient evil that was guiding Black Manta throughout the film. But no, that was also stopped literally two minutes later. CGI in this is hit or miss throughout the entire film. There's some shots that weren't that bad, but a lot of the time when they do their full CGI renders of actors, it just looks so off-putting. Which is why when we suddenly cut from our hero and villain you know, doing their monologues against each other to what now looks like a Star Wars Old Republic cutscene for our final fights, it was just so fucking blatantly bad. It's also weird because there's a ton of great uses Of practical effects and some of the most balls to the wall comic book and accurate costumes and character designs in this film, all the way down to like the henchmen wearing old scuba suits as their uniform. But for some reason, Warner's CGI team just always feels like they aren't given enough time to iron out these bigger moments. Like, I let the underwater effects kind of go because it's a comic book film and it's not going for that realism effect, you know, whatsoever in any of these films. But some moments are just too hard to watch and take me out of the scene entirely also i do want to say if there weren't like a couple of like violent moments here and there and they didn't use the word shit like 500 times i feel like the movie would have been rated pg very easily like this felt way more kid oriented than any previous dcu project yet and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i was just surprised by how lighthearted and simple things seem to be at times like i could easily compare this to you know one of rodriguez's spy kids films in tone And also to address the elephant in the room amber heard's role was definitely shaved down to its bare minimum as she had some fight moments here and there but it felt like maybe she had three to five lines throughout the entire film which as the mother of their child you'd think you know she may be a little bit more involved in arthur's story but oh well uh, we all know why this was done. Um, also, before I forget, everyone's favorite MCU side character actor, Randall Park, who plays Jimmy Woo in Ant-Man and WandaVision had a significant role in this film and was a standout throughout. I mean, he's just an enjoyable guy to will see on screen. But um, overall, the film is fun, it's a brotherly adventure with a much better villain story um, than its predecessor. I just wish it could have capitalized or sent this version of Aquaman off with a bigger bang in an epic final act, but it falls very short of that mark. So I'll be giving Aquaman a C minus, and I hope in the new era of DC films, CGI is something that Warner will you know completely overhaul, as between this and definitely, whatever the fuck we got with The Flash, things need to change.
0: And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Yeah!
1: It's the end of the year and not much is going on in the world of gaming right now. Almost every source I pull from is simply posting about their you know, year and review stuff. And like we said earlier, we'll be giving you our like game of the year on next week's episode. But in lieu of any, you know, decent news, I wanted to take a short moment to address the streaming side of The Amazing Nerd Show. Uh, Personally, this year has been one of the roughest years for me in a long time. And I think that has really translated into my on-screen performance as well. So as I've streamed, you know, less and less over the year, clearly. But, you know, my mental health has to come first at times. So on top of that, my stream setup has been in desperate need of an overhaul, which is something I've said in previous, you know, episodes. So I will be working towards leaving Streamlabs and setting up OBS for future streams, but I want to take you know this month or maybe even just a couple of weeks um, off this January from streaming just to get back into the right headspace and really present a better streaming experience for you that tune in. Um, it will be kind of a soft relaunch for it all. So just bear with me as I work on this project. In the meantime, uh, you can still stop by our Twitch channel to catch previous playthroughs and also see some of our friends' channels in our featured section to check out. Um, I, again, have no intention of quitting streaming. I just want to make sure if I do stream, it's something worthwhile um, and, you know, me at my best and again uh, for those who've tuned in thank you for you know helping make some awesome gaming memories and supporting me throughout this journey ans live 3.0 is on the way but for now let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling
0: you're not gonna get one single favor you want to be a triple crown champion just like all your heroes you're gonna have to earn every inch Win or lose, No, man. no, 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 no. You talked enough. Huh? You talked enough. Let me tell you, let me tell you
1: something, dog. Don't come out here and treat me like your young boy, bitch, Yuta, because I ain't no young
0: boy, huh? Remember something, dog? I'm your senpai. I broke in before you. You're lucky I let you breathe.
2: All right, Christian, so this weekend is AEW's World's End. Um, it's actually on the day that this episode drops, uh, Saturday. Uh, it's funny because this pay-per-view totally snuck up on me somehow. And I don't know if it's just a case of, you know, the, you know, it being the holidays and stuff like that. But for some reason, I was thinking we still had like two or three weeks to go. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so we got to make our predictions. Uh, but looking at the card. <laughs> um, it's definitely a strange one. It it feels kind of thrown together. Um, or it really just centers around a couple of key matches. Uh, and I don't know if that's just more of a case of them doing more pay-per-views now. Because the build to the pay-per-view didn't feel that way. But I think a lot of that has to do with it being completely centered around the Continental Classic and everything that's going on with MJF and the Devil Storyline. Uh, but anyway, let, let's go through the card um and you know make our predictions even though you know they're really only good for a day but we're arrogant bastards once again and you know we want to have our say so it is what it is um you know you can see how wrong or right we are at the end of the day so so with
1: that being said let's go ahead and start off with zero hour Uh, we got a big one to start off with a 20-man battle royal for a possible tnt title match anywhere Anytime, so does that mean it's like money in the bank style? I guess so. (laughs) Interesting
2: because that's actually for a minor time, it it says anywhere, anytime. So, anywhere, anytime, to me, that denotes that it is like the money in the bank and you could cash it in at any point. Um, and seeing that, I could foresee uh, Edge walking away with that TNT belt that should be interesting if someone does cash in on him, since you know, Edge is known as the ultimate opportunist. Um, but we don't know who's in this match, right? Uh, no, it hasn't been said, at least. All There's right. no list well, for gonna it. it's going to be kind of hard to predict <laughs> who's going to win it if we have no actual opponents. Um, this was one of those matches that felt very, like, thrown together last minute just to get people on the card. Uh, I'm not against that, don't get me wrong, and I'm glad that it's for something, but at first I thought it was for the world title, and I was going to have a real issue with that, especially since you just had, what, like, what was it? 12 wrestlers go okay. through this grueling <laughs> tournament, you know, just, you know, for the right to, you know, be called mm-hmm. the triple crown champion, you know, to win those, you know, two belts and the one made up one, you know, for the continental tournament. Um, but then like some guys able to walk in to a battle Royal, win it and get a, a, an actual world title shot. It just felt incredibly unfair. uh- But uh, yeah, no, this is for a TNT title shot. So since we don't know who's actually in the match, I'm just going to go ahead and throw a name out there. And I'm just going to use the process of elimination, um, you know, by looking at who's actually on the card and who's not on the card, I guess. Uh, I'm going to say Hangman Page because he's not anywhere on this card. And it feels like, you know, he's perfectly healthy, so he should at least be featured somewhere.
1: I'm gonna say Jungle Boy, because then oh, it could easily tie into surprise, Christian, like yeah, surprise return and everything. Mm-hmm. See, I have not to go against Christian, but to aid Christian later ah, on is what I'm saying. I got you, because I was gonna say I've got Edge walking away with that title,
2: mm-hmm. but you're right. If like Jungle Boy ends up being in cahoots with you know Christian, um, that would track. That would make sense. I like that pick. Um, but no, I'm going to stick with Hangman just because, well, like Hangman was in a, a zero hour match just a couple of months ago. And that kind of sparked the whole feud with Swerve. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Otherwise, who the fuck knows? Right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, they haven't announced shit for this. So, no, um, so it is what it is. All right. Well, let's move on. What other matches do we have on the zero hour?
1: Uh, we have the FTW rules for the FTW championship. That's between Hook and Wheeler Yuta. Oh, I think Hook is going to win. Uh, I think it's just going to be, I, I mean, there'll be a fought, a good fought match, but I feel like they're not going to take it off Hook anytime soon, unless he gets into like a serious feud.
2: I agree. I think Hook is going to go ahead and uh, pick up the win here. Uh, Yuta's got the pure uh, ROH belt right now. We know that Shibata just signed to AEW, uh, full time apparently. Uh, and the last time we saw him, he was losing to Yuta and dropping that title, the Pure Title, to him. So Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that, you know, Shibata will return at some point and you know be in a some kind of program with Yuta. So I'm guessing this is just kind of like a one off match for um, you know, Hook to kind of get like some steam back behind him. I did like the promo that. they uh, had him cut uh i believe it was on this past episode of dynamite maybe it was collision where he's on the uh, steps uh yeah i think it was i think it was collision actually yeah. like do more of that like give him mm-hmm. you know some mic time and everything like that but but have him in a control setting you know making him look like a badass
1: oh as far as shibata being you know officially an AEW member i'm kind of hoping that he's going to be more of a, a backstage guy than like a full-time wrestler all the time does he still I love make shibata, you nervous but- yeah, <laughs> I'm still so a little nervous.
2: I'm with you. It makes me nervous, too. But I don't know. I mean, the way Yuta dropped him on his head a couple times in that match, um, I think that was a message that he's going to be wrestling a whole lot more.
1: Fair enough. His, you know, his life, his choices, I guess. <laughs> uh, moving on to the actual card, we have our first eight man match of the night. It's going to be Sting. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Chris Jericho going up against Big Bill, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Kyle Fletcher. Now, this is obviously a pivot away from
2: uh, the Golden Jets versus Ricky Starks and um, Big Bill. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. <laughs> this is another match that just feels so thrown together because it's like, Once we had the whole Sammy storyline happen, I don't want to get into that just yet. With Sammy rejoining forces with Jericho. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. We're going to have like the little sex gods, you know, against, uh, you know, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. But no, that's not the case because they were jumped soon after by Starks and Big Bill and Sting and Darby Allen just randomly came out and made the save. And I get it. Like this is, Sting's second-to-last pay-per-view, so you want him on the card. Um, it just feels like they could have found a better way to feature him, uh, especially since we have another eight-man like tag match happening on this card with all the participants from the uh, Continental Classic. So, I don't know, it just feels very redundant. And once again, like it didn't need to th- feel this thrown together. And it feels like just, like, Jericho wanting to grasp on, like, you know, being Kenny Omega's, you know, tag team partner. (laughs) Um, But, man, just move on. No one liked that, Jericho. Like, no one wants to see that. Like, I love that he's trying to push it, too, in all his promos. Um, You know, really, like. I don't know. It just feels so superficial. This like phony relationship between him and Kenny that like, we haven't seen develop at all on screen. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I I just, and then like to the actual segment where we see the Callis family turn on Sammy. Well, Sammy's kind of turned on them, right? Like he shows up, he's pissed off at at Don Callis. They're celebrating boxing day in the middle of the ring. Don's giving the giving all of them these ridiculous portraits that he's had commission. Um Sammy's music hits, he comes out, you know, they're all surprised to see Sammy. Sammy's got a chip on his shoulder obviously. You know, right away he goes into the fact that he hasn't heard from Don since, you know, he went out with an injury. Uh, he had a concussion and it, it, I guess it's been almost five months, which seems crazy. I didn't didn't realize that at all. Yeah. I was like, does that even make sense? I don't feel like that's right. I feel like it's been more like three months, but I'll have to look into that. Um, But yeah, you know, like Sammy's about to, you know, turn on them, but they, you know, turn on him first. He gets strangely offended by the fact that like, Callus had this like portrait of him holding his baby. um, (laughs) commission. (laughs) <laughs> but I think more of the gist was the fact that he just hasn't heard from Callis you know, the mm-hmm. entire time he's injured. Um, but yeah, so they turn on Sammy. So we have yet another Sammy turn. Like he's in like big show territory with all these like in there, in there. Heel turns, baby face turns, you know, back and forth over the last like year or so. Like, I, I don't know how many times it's been, but it's been a lot and they're meaning less and less every time he does it. But I think it this time it was more of, you know, a function of it just, you know, being practical for the storyline. Um, you know, because Jericho needs a partner. Uh, but then why not just have that match right away and get it over with? I don't know. I don't know. Like the, the whole Sting-Darby thing feels forced. I mean, I guess you do have a dynamic between Darby and Sammy. You know, and the, like you did have Darby at one point really like pleading with, um, you know, Sammy to get away from like all these like, you know, father of like figures. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's with Jericho once again, which was the original father figure <laughs> for Sammy. So I don't know.
1: It is what it is. I was really disappointed with the announcement of this match because I thought when Sting and Darby came out to save them. It was going to turn into a triple threat for the tag titles and i was like oh maybe we go into sting's last match with them holding the tag titles and that's like the final match." my guess is they
2: probably wanted callus's family to be featured you know that faction because they've been mm-hmm. pretty much off tv for the past month or so since the start of the continental classic um And I still don't understand why Takeshita wasn't involved in that, but maybe it was more of, you know, they didn't want him to eat a bunch of like losses and they wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of keep him special. But like, to me, it diminishes him not being on screens, especially since you're not capitalizing on the fact that he has two wins over Kenny Omega at this point. So, you know, he should at least be on TV beating people weekly. You know, and just building that mystique behind him, um, because you know, out of sight, out of mind, with wrestling fans. Uh, but no, I mean, you could have turned into a, a four way. Honestly, you could have had you know, Callus' family in one corner, Sting and Darby in another, Ricky and you know, Big Bill and you know, the the sex gods in another corner. Like it could have been a four way dance, and it would have made perfect sense because you do have the tension between the two babyface teams. You know, and I don't even know if I really consider Jericho a babyface, honestly. <laughs> so <laughs> um, but yeah, instead we're getting a, an eight man tag with absolutely no stakes whatsoever. So yeah, no, I'm not a fan of this booking. Um, I obviously think Sting's team's gonna go over here just because Sting yeah. hasn't had a loss whatsoever his entire AEW career. So why have him, you know, Ida L here, right? Um but yeah, no, yeah, Sting's teams. know winning but this whole thing's just a mess like tony's got to get better at you know dealing with these obstacles and you know handling injury you know situations um like i understand like you've got your script and everything like that and you want to stick to the storylines but there's got to be a better way like you like if if you have to like cancel a match then you need to deliver something
1: bigger you know, on paper. But you just, you would think this has happened enough times that you would have had a B and a C plan yes. by now. Yes, there should be know? backup plans um, in
2: place. And that's easier said than done, but, like, the rule of thumb, and, you know, this is a McMahonism, but, like, if you can't deliver what you promise, then you need to deliver something even bigger. Hmm. Um, you know, that's just strong, like, booking strategy at the end of the day. So I don't know. that This just doesn't work for me. But I mean, at least things on the card. I'm sure fans will be happy, you know, at the end when all is said and done.
1: At the world's end. I hate um, you. <laughs> <laughs> we have another eight-man tag with uh Brian Danielson, Claudio Castanoli, Mark Briscoe and Daniel Garcia going up against Jay White, Roosh. Jay Lethal, and Brody King. Uh, These are all members of the Continental Classic getting thrown into this eight-man tag. Uh, Quickly, I thought the Continental Classic was amazing.
2: I'm looking forward to to being a, you know, annual event. Um, I hope, you know, next year there's even more, like, pomp and circumstance around it. I'd love to see people, like, have to, like, qualify to get into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hope they don't do the whole Triple Crown thing next year. I hope it's a case where, you know, they do get, like, a world title shot coming out of it. Because um, I, I think that's my one big critique of it this year is, like, the finals felt very predictable. Like, from day one, if you listen to, you know, a, you know our episodes a couple of month, months ago, like, we were predicting that, you know, it was going to be Kingston and Moxley just yeah. because Kingston put up, you know... Both of his belts. So we had this whole triple Crown scenario. Um, but with that being said, the, the tournament was still incredibly enjoyable. Um, and I feel like everyone who entered it is better off, you know, when all is said and done. So um that's a stroke of booking genius. And i, I like I said, I mean, maybe you can adjust where it falls on the calendar and you could even use it as almost like your' royal Rumble. Type deal where like if you win the tournament, then you qualify for like the main event of like all in or all out, you know something big, um, you know because I feel like that will even like you know put it on a higher like pedestal because I feel like that will even heighten its importance, um, you know you, you basically use it as your like G one, you know your ticket into the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, I I think it's been a hit across the board with fans and. I feel like the shows have been so much better over the last like month or so because you're guaranteed, you know, two to three great matches every episode. Um, I don't know. And there's just been so many great promos cut around it and just, you know, amazing storylines and everything like that, that I feel like can really come out of it if they, you know, choose to really capitalize on everything. And I'm guessing that this match is going to kind of serve as an extension of that. Um you know, I have no clue <laughs> really on paper who's going to walk away, you know, the winner. And I don't think it really matters. I think it's probably more of the interactions between, you mm-hmm. know, the competitors and, you know, just the little spinoff programs are probably going to come out of this match. But coming out of this, it feels like every, you know, wrestler, or every like participant, um, you know, has a new story arc. Um, you know, a new program that they could jump right into if they want to.
1: I mean, I'm figuring that this is just going to be, you know, uh a a heartfelt match where the heroes win and we move on. You Who know, are I even think the heroes in this match
2: though? Like what, what what are the teams?
1: <laughs> it's Brian Danielson, Claudio, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia going up against Jay White, Roosh, Jay Lethal, and Brody King. I'm going to say, <laughs> I guess you're Brisco- right. Well, there's, there's no real faces here. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think whoever's on Briscoe team is, uh, the,
2: you know, the, that's the face squad. So I'm going to say it's going to be, you know, briscoe side even though brian was a complete heel his last match against kingston which was a fantastic (laughs) match but um yeah i'm gonna say you know briscoe's team ends up winning and maybe briscoe picks up the win too Mm -hmm. so um and i don't know like maybe you know they rekindle the whole like uh
1: blackpool combat club uh garcia storyline because he is just kind of like in the air with where he's going, like, as a character right yeah. now, with everything that's been going on with Matt Menard. And yeah, all he's, that. like, loosely affiliated with, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Jericho's old group still,
2: for some reason. Um, But I could see them, you know, spinning out into, like, you know, them trying to recruit him again, because that's what was originally happening. So why not go that, you know, down that road again? It feels like it's prime time now. Um, Like, he's finally found who he is as a wrestler in this tournament. So Mm. that storyline could totally spin out of this.
1: Talking about stories spinning out, we have Andrade El Idolo going up against Miro. Man, I...
2: I want to say we're going to have Miro win here. Um, But it might be too soon. Because I could see Lana turning on Miro. What is she going by here? She's not Lana anymore, right? No. CJ? She's um,
1: hot and flexible CJ Perry. I feel like where this storyline
2: is headed is CJ turning on Andrade and joining Miro again. But we might not be at that point just yet. Because I feel like the whole gist of this whole storyline is you know, CJ is trying to get back with Miro. You know, whether he likes it or not, and she's just manipulating uh, him, right? Um, trying to make him jealous. So it's just whether or not it's too soon to pull the trigger yet. Um, but like Andrade's
1: contract
2: status might be part yeah. of this.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking because I'm like, if he's going to CMLL, well, he did or not? He already did. With- no, he he
2: went, but the reason behind him doing CMLL was because. He doesn't know whether or not he'll be re-signing with AEW if he goes back to WWE, um, you know, whenever his contract's up, which I think is at some point this year. I don't know when. Um, he doesn't think he'll be able to go to CML again. So he's just gotcha. taking the opportunity to do it now while he can. So, um, but we know he's been well, jonesing to go back to WWE for the last yeah. like two and a half years. So to the point that he was trying to get fired by, you know, punching Sammy Guevara in the face. Not saying that he didn't deserve it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Andrade just because I know Tony Khan loves to stretch out storylines, and if he's trying to court Andrade, you know why not give him the win here? Um, and. I mean, you're also capitalizing on, you know, a great run in the Continental Classic at the same time, so...
1: I mean, I'm going to stick with Miro just because I feel like he needs a win right now. Like, he hasn't been, like, featured all that much on shows and this would hopefully... Yeah, He'll be the spark.
2: Just, but- I mean, just promos. I mean, the matches that he has had have been pretty much just squashes, but, yeah, you know, he's just been kind of stuck in this like storyline. And that's all been kind of like put on hold just because Andrade was in the Continental Classic. Mm-hmm. So he's just been kind of playing the waiting game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly. So.
1: Well, up next, we have Swerve versus Keith Lee finally having their match on a pay-per-view. Only a
2: year uh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm glad it's happening.
1: Uh, man. It just I doesn't don't know, feel like, like it- the right time anymore. Like, like, I would have loved this, like you just said, a year ago. But now, with Swerve having so much fucking momentum... Behind him, I don't want to see him lose to Keith Lee, but then that feels like it's too obvious to have Swerve go over, and he's been kind of on top of this entire feud. Well, for and so then, long. like, what does that
2: do to your baby face Keith Lee? Yeah, um, you could do a double turn, you could have <laughs> Keith Lee turn heel and have so because Swerve is the way he's getting cheered by the fans right now. Mm-hmm. I mean he's pretty much a babyface at this point. So if you have like Keith Lee cheat to win and you kind of do a reversal here and you have, you know, them switch roles that could work, Um, you know, then there's also the hangman factor. Like we know that, you know, hangman has stated that his business isn't done with swerve. So he could always come out and cost swerve the match. Um, you have Keith Lee go over; he can move on, and then you can kind of rekindle things with Swerve and Hangman, um, which I'm fine with. Like, especially if you don't, if like you're not going to pull the trigger on Swerve going after the world title just yet, then I'm t- I'm totally fine with him being in another insane match with Hangman <laughs> like that. I'm not going to complain about that whatsoever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Keith Lee wins here.
1: By shenanigans, though. Yes.
2: Yes. By shenanigans. Uh, I'm calling
1: shenanigans. <laughs> I'm going to say Lee gets the win here. I feel like Keith Lee is the logical answer to put. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to go with Keith Lee, but I just don't want to see Swerve lose right now. No. I, I know it's not going to kill him. I don't him, think but... I'll
2: hurt him at all. Yeah. Um, you know, And he's definitely someone who was elevated by the Continental Classic and everything. So... Um, but yeah, if it's due to shenanigans, I think he'll be fine at the end of the day, and especially if they're gonna keep him on, you know, the right path and you know that's you know headed towards the title. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna say Keith Lee goes here because you want Lee to start to gain momentum again and get him mm, back on track yeah. at the same time. So please right <laughs> and he seems like he's in a lot better shape and everything um and he's supposed to be healthy and i don't know if like his health is why they've been like so start and stop with him cuz it seems it feels like he shows up for like a month or two and then like he disappears and then he you know shows up again and it's been weird which actually reminds me th- this past week on dynamite was so weird because on collision he said that he was going to show up to dynamite to confront Swerve, but then he wasn't there. And they had like Tony Schiavone issue the challenge for him. So I don't know if something happened. And then like Swerve made the comment, like, who knows if he's even going to show up at the pay per view. So it just feels like his whole like AEW run has been like snake bitten from the get go for some reason. Like he had this that that stretch with uh, Swerve as you know tag champs and That's pretty
1: much it. I mean, maybe you see like Swerve's guys go and attack him, and then out of nowhere, you get a match with Hangman on the card.
2: (laughs) I don't know, but like if you're going to have a match between Swerve and Hangman, you definitely want to promote it because that's a big deal Uh at this point.
1: So, well, up next, we have the TBS championship between Julia Hart and Abaddon. Julia. Yeah, <laughs> um,
2: Thunder Rosa is now involved. She came back this past was this past week on collision. He, she made the save mm-hmm. for uh, Abaddon uh, two weeks ago. And then they had the tag match between the team of Julia Hart and Sky Blue versus uh, Abaddon and Thunder Rosa. Um, Thunder Rosa's team, may, you know, got the win. Um it was a little weird because it, it felt like the match was just completely focused around Thunder Rosa. Like she should be the one getting the title shot, Aww. which I mean, I got, but, you know, Abaddon felt a little bit like lost in the shuffle. Um, I'm still holding out hope that like Abaddon joins Julia Hart because it feels like that would be like the natural fit, not necessarily sky blue. Um, like I, I could totally see. Like, Julie Hart walking down the ramp with Abaddon on a leash or something like that. You know, and her being, like, you know, Julie Hart's, like, monster that she unleashes on people. Um, but you could also have Sky Blue be part of that. Speaking of Sky Blue, I guess part of the reason why things have been a little wonky with that whole storyline is it sounds like they don't want sky blue to necessarily be part of the house of black and they even made like note of that this past week that you know she's not part of that faction she just i guess is affiliated
1: with julia hart okay. so it's kind of
2: weird but whatever
1: why does it matter or- <laughs> i don't know i don't know
2: they just don't want her to be underneath that umbrella for some reason so okay. um it is what it is i don't know if that's like you know malachi you know, putting his foot down or whatnot. Speaking of which, <laughs> the House of Black, aren't they supposed to be challenging uh, FTR? Um, I mean, that was set up sh- on a uh, collision, right? They've
1: definitely set that shit up. Yeah. Um, But they're not on this card, so huh. I don't. I wonder if they'll be added on Rampage or something.
2: That's weird. Because that match feels more relevant than, you know, the, the, the one eight man tag with Jericho. Mm hmm. I I don't know. They've been building that for a while now. They'll probably just save it for. And collision actually, or something. I like the fact that it was a tag, you know, team storyline that didn't like revolve around the belts. It was just a tag team feud that was happening. Um, I want more of that in these divisions. You know, not every feud needs to be centered around just the title. Like, let's do more actual, like, you know, you know, in division feuds. But yeah, no, Julia Hart's winning this. Um, oh, you yeah, know. easy. I mean... Thunder Rosa will probably make an appearance, you know, at the end of the match and say the Abaddon Yeah, again. they'll
1: probably continue to attack the Abaddon yeah. and then, yeah. And Julia that will probably end up
2: to, you know, like a program between Thunder Rosa and Julia Hart, I'm guessing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Up next, I have the AEW Continental Classic Finals between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Eddie Kingston all the way, 100%. Yeah, it's... It's been his story since the beginning, so it makes the most sense that he would win all of this. Yeah,
2: Um, I'm
1: hoping that it
2: launches him into the main event, like title scene. Um, and I know would be nice, but I feel like the Triple Crown is going to actually end up being like an anchor than anything. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: that's why I was like totally fine with Swerve not winning this thing, right? Just because I feel like you know it's almost. I feel like the Triple Crown, not that the tournament itself, the procedure of the tournament itself is, you know, the issue. But, like, I feel like the the whole Triple Crown concept and those belts, you know, are almost beneath him at this point. Um, where, it, like, if he got those belts, it would keep him, like, upper mid-card. Whereas, like, you know, without those belts, he can, you know, rise to the top a lot quicker.
1: So, um, Yeah, like they made sure to say, like, "Hey, Hiroshi Tanahashi is watching these matches too." Like, you know, because he has a stake in the Triple Crown. Like, does this mean that you're gonna take the Triple Crown over to New Japan for like a couple like shows? I
2: I think he'll have it, but I think it'll just be like them going through the motions. I don't think those belts mm -hmm. will really be like it. Like, I don't think the Continental Classic Belt is actually going to be defended. I think it's more of a trophy than anything. That's a, they so. haven't clarified any of this. Like, I did not even understand. This is one, another critique of the tournament. When we were discussing it last time, I didn't realize that the top two guys in each, like, uh, tier were going to end up, f- you know, wrestling each other to see who they, you know, would make it to the finals. Like, I thought it was just the point leader of each, you know, bracket was going to just go yeah. and, you know, meet in the finals and that was it. So like because technically Brian would have had a tiebreaker over Kingston at yes, that point, right? Exactly. That- so that's why I, you know, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, wait a second. And they kind of waited to the last minute to announce that. Like that was never <laughs> like clear. At least maybe it was something uh. I missed. Um, so I didn't mind the way they did it. I almost and once again, this might feel like you know, AEW's copying off a of new Japan's paper too much, but I would honestly rather have them have you know, four brackets and that way the point leaders of each bracket can just face each other, you know, to qualify to, you know, you have, you know, you have your, you could still do your, you know, blue blocks, but you have, you know, the A group and the B group, you know, and they face off Mm -hmm. against each other to, you know, at the end of the tournament to get to the finals and then, you know, so on and so on. So I just feel like that makes a little more sense. Um, And that way you can have more participants. Because I do feel like, you know, that this tournament should grow. Um, And I feel like it should be a case of, like, you know, all your top guys are in it this time around. So, I mean, it's basically one. <laughs> yeah, it would be 24 wrestlers then. So, I mean. They have such a big roster. Like, uh, they could easily pull that off if they wanted to. So, I mean, you'd have to do matches on Rampage, but that's fine. That just makes Rampage a must-watch show. Right? So, I mean. Why not? Um, But who knows? Who knows where they go? Like, it wasn't bad, like, having it this way. It just, like, having the second place guy in each bracket, like, get that, like, shot at the finals felt a little weird to me. I also didn't like the fact that we had a three-way match. You know, to to, uh, determine the winner of, uh, was it the Goldbach? Yes. You know, I would have much rather have it been like, just a one-on-one. um, Because, like, a three-way tie, like, I don't know. Not that it cheapened everything, because that's not the case at all, but, you know, like, because then you have Jay White out there, you know, there's no DQ, so that feels like it goes against, like, the spirit of the tournament and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, You know, and I still hate the fact, and I'm not going to get into this now, but... <laughs> I still hate the fact that we can't just, you know, I understand like it makes no sense to do DQs in like a three way, but at the same time, if it's just elimination type deal where if you get disqualified, then you're just eliminated from the fucking match. And that's that's that you could easily do that, you know, Um, I don't know. You know, but I mean, not everything's perfect, but I, I it was damn close. So I, I can't complain at the end of the day, like the, you know, it, it was definitely a success. So, but there's definitely a few things that they could, you know, tinker with, um, to make it even better next year. But yeah, Kingston, hundred percent. I, I got him go over it. Also, I think they're in New York, so it's pretty much like his backyard. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he should be a shoe in yeah, here. The pop of yeah, I just hope that they capitalize on the victory and everything. Um, and eventually he gets, like, an actual, like, AEW World title shot, um, this year, no matter who's holding the belt.
1: Up next, we have a no-DQ match for the TNT Championship between Christian Cage and Adam Copeland. I'm gonna say Adam Copeland wins that TNT belt. Um,
2: you know, I think it'll elevate the belt. You know, having someone like Edge walk around with it, um... And I think it's time for Christian to get his comeuppance. <laughs> ah, a little bit of revenge. Yeah, yeah. Although I wouldn't put it past you know, Copeland to drag this on for another match, but mm. I just don't see like where else you're going, you know. Like, are you gonna do a cage match maybe next?
1: So no outside interference yeah, can be a part of
2: it. Maybe yeah. I, I could totally see that happening. Um,
1: is Luchasaurus injured again? Is he out? What's I don't know. We haven't seen him. He hasn't been around. Nah, yeah,
2: that makes me suspicious too that we're gonna see Luchasaurus come out here and uh maybe uh-huh. turn on Christian. So Oh okay. I mean, the last time we saw him, there was definitely, you know, some tension between the two. I mean, Christian was berating him and making him, you know, take a knee and he renamed him. Right. <laughs> what did he oh he called him Kill Switch? He's Kill Switch now. So okay. um yeah. Yeah, that turn's coming. The fans were behind it,
1: right? So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Adam Copeland here. And I still like the idea of Jungle Boy winning the thing and then immediately taking the title off of him at the pay yeah. If if they were to make a big like moment, for yeah, him. like
2: yeah, you're t- saying taking uh, taking the belt off of uh, Copeland. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that that'd be the great, you know, the route to go. That's if. Jungle Boy is not the devil Christian.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, up next, we have the AEW Women's Championship. That's Tony Storm defending against Riho. Tony Storm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to say Tony right now. Yeah. Uh, it would be ridiculous if Riho got him back again. I agree 100%. <laughs> um,
2: I mean, this seems to be Rio's MO. Like, she shows up every like four or five months, gets a title shot, and mm-hmm. then she disappears again. Right. Um. I don't know if this is just her living situation that that's why they, you know, like they book her this way. But. I mean, they're always decent matches, but there's just mm-hmm. not much storyline and they always feel kind of like an afterthought to me. Um. So I don't know. It feels like they're really building up, you know, stuff between Tony Storm and um, what Mariah, yeah, Mariah May, May. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably where they're headed next. Um, But yeah, no, Tony Storm, 100%.
1: But that leads us into our final match. That's the AEW World Championship between MJF and Samoa Joe, which we found out that Joe has been working with the devil.
2: Yeah. Some people are confused. They actually thought Joe was the devil, I guess.
1: By the end of the show. Um, it didn't help that he was yelling. I did this to you at him. Because I could see people getting confused by that. But the fact that it said like. that, Happy to work with you yeah, or whatever. At exactly. The end. exactly.
2: Um, I didn't hate the moment. As much as other people did. I don't know if it necessarily. Tracks. Or makes sense. I guess it's more just like head games. On Joe's part. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the deal. Like with the way that dynamite went off the air the typical wrestling formula here with you know the challenger standing you know tall over you know the champion and everything like that that usually dictates the champion coming out the winner at you know the pay-per-view um, but we know that MGF is supposedly really injured So that might play a part in the storyline. Um, we also know from Tony Khan's own mouth that uh, this storyline, the devil storyline, is going to come to a head at this pay per view. I guess he pretty much confirmed this at a a press conference for the pay per view this past week.
1: Wild to say that, but yeah, (laughs) like he was basically
2: guaranteeing that we're going to have some major developments in the storyline. Um, so it, it sounds to me that we're going to get the reveal of who the devil is. Uh, but Tony's a promoter and he's, you know, bullshitted us in the past. So who knows? <laughs> but it it, de- it definitely feels storyline wise. That's where we're headed, at least. Um, I'm still thinking that it's Adam Cole. I could see the devil costing MJF the match here. But it does feel weird to just kind of like put the belt on Joe and have him almost be like a transitional champion, since mm-hmm. he's not necessarily like he's just like loosely affiliated with the whole Devil Squad. So, um, it doesn't feel like this is his story. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I'm guessing MJF squeaks out with the win somehow, but then we get the reveal. Because, like, once again, like, I, I hope they don't do what they did to Jay White, where you have this, like, beaten down, battered and bruised MJF, somehow besting White, who's, like, at 100%, you know, with a with fucking faction
1: backing
2: him. <laughs> um, I mean, MJF did have to, like, cheat to win in that match, but at the same time, like, I didn't feel like that did Jay White any favors. um. And I don't want to see MJF become, like, you know, Super Cena and just, like, be able to, like, overcome all these, like, you know, Uh adversaries um, single-handedly, so especially if we're also dealing with the faction, you know, backing Joe, um, because I'm sure there's going to be hijinks, right? Um, Yeah, I'm going to say MJF still. (laughs) I just we we also have the whole contract situation looming, although I feel like they haven't been like mentioning that very often. No, they haven't said anything about it. But it's interesting because I... like all the posters for the upcoming events next year don't feature MJF whatsoever. Hmm. So I just I don't know. But like I 100% believe that, you know, MJF is actually signed. I don't believe the whole contract bullshit. Uh huh. I can't I like I just can't fathom Khan being like th- this inept that he would push someone this hard who's not under contract with you.
1: Um I it's gotta be I it's gotta be MJF though. If it's a serious injury, then I mean I don't have an issue with Joe being world champion in the company for a little bit. No, but I, I understand it sucks for you know him to be a transitional champion. Yeah. I just Um,
2: can't imagine being that serious of an injury if he's wrestled twice. I mean, they did take the ROH belts away from mm. him, which I'm 100% fine with. It is weird for, you know, them not actually knowing the names of the ROH (laughs) tag team champions. Like, that's strange, but I'm sure that's going to be revealed shortly. (sighs) I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to say Joe. I'm going to say Joe. (laughs) Because that's where it should be headed. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just WWE brain. (laughs) Like. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. You showed me that final shot of the challenger standing tall over the champion, you know, the show before the pay-per-view and like right, right away, like my WWE, Mark, my WWE brain knows this formula, right? Like, it, you know, to me that equates to, oh, your champion's walking away, retaining that belt. But I don't know. There's just so many other
1: factors. So I, I'm going to say... Joe wins. They have to sell that ghost, the fucking devil story. It's the main, like it's the main attraction. For and like,
2: if the, the devil doesn't cost MJF the title, then what's the point?
1: Point exactly. You know, like I'm fully prepared for Cole to come down crutches and all. You know, acting like he's he's going to make the save out. and he
2: puts on the mask, right? Yeah. Right. And then
1: he does a full Seth Rollins turn, hits him in the back with a chair or a crutch. Well, or something. I think what happens
2: is he comes down, it looks like he's like safe trying to make the save from like the other, you know, devil minions. And mm. then he pulls out the mask, you know, and puts it on in front of MJF. And then Joe ends up choking him out. So I think that works. And if you think about it, like Adam was the one pushing Joe on MJF this entire time. Yeah. So
1: mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, And then you could give MJF a couple weeks off, right? Um, And then he could come back.
1: I mean, it plays into MJF's first, you know, promo about the situation with him and Joe, where he started, you know, listing off the fact that Joe never got the world title in WWE and that he deserved to be a world champion. You know, it'd be like, it, it'd be a good synergy, at least with that. And I think the only reveal that will carry any kind
2: of weight storyline-wise, is Cole, um, you know, being the devil. So I, I feel like that's where it's all headed. And I think the only way to make this storyline matter is for the devil to cost MJF the match and his title. So, yeah, I'm going to say Samoa Joe walks out the world champion. The world will truly come to an end. At least MJF's world. I mean, we'll be okay, I hope. Yes. <laughs> Ha
1: ha 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 ha. Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to
2: continue to grow.
1: Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Show, or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as
2: long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest
1: news and rumors in nerd culture. And whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.
0: could destroy you with one whisper from his mouth. What mouth?